Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 179, I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. And I'm Brent Wingate. And this week, we celebrate Women's History Month. And uh, of course, International Women's Day happened this week. So we'll talk a little bit about some of our favorite female characters, creators, uh, in comics. And then Children of the Atom finally got its first issue. Uh, we've got all the movie, TV, and other news you need. Clark's got something, watch out. And of course, the issues. But before we get into our discussion, I want to remind you, the listener, to check out our review of the finality, finale and entirety of WandaVision uh, Season 1, which is available wherever our podcasts are available now. You're listening to the podcasts you know where to get it. All right, let's start with uh, International Women's Day. Kaylin, you want to take it? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this past Monday was International Women's Day, and this whole month is Women's History Month. So in order to celebrate that, uh, we want to name uh, some of our fam- fa- uh, favorite, excuse me, female creators, female characters, and a recommendation for a graphic novel by a female creator as well. So Ryan, why don't we start with you? Absolutely. Um, Mine might be a little bit basic because I know she's everywhere, Um, but Fiona Staples is my shit. So she is the artist currently on Saga, and she is phenomenal. She's done a bunch of other stuff. So she's done a North 40. She's done God and Monsters. She's done Thunder Agents. She did Archie, which I think a lot of people would know as well. Um, But her art is like, like realistic yet so stylized it's it's so beautiful everything she does is so great specifically saga is what i have in my mind and they uh, although like the writing is phenomenal uh by brian k bond the the art itself has truly blown out a world in a way that like i never thought was possible to combine fantasy and sci-fi like that in such a cool way, I I am obsessed with her. She she it's so beautiful. The a lot of times the cover art is a little bit more extensive than the inside of a comic, and she blows it out in every panel. It's it's phenomenal. She's my number one. Do you have a favorite character? Dazzler, maybe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but we, it's, uh, it's a path we've gone down before, but yes, Dazzler all the way. So, um, Ryan, I'm really glad you mentioned an artist because oftentimes when we talk about like favorite creators, we're usually talking about writers and that's what I'm going to do this time. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't say they're my favorite creators, but I, I, I want to highlight how important they are uh, because we're an X-Men podcast for, first and foremost. And so I want to mention both Louise Simonson and Anne Nascenti. Uh, Louise Simonson was the writer for X Factor uh, back in the 80s, and she created uh, Apocalypse, uh, you know, which is, uh, who is like one of the most uh, famous and popular villains the X-Men have ever fought, and has absolutely been pivotal to the Reign of X and Dawn of X titles, uh, especially during the Ten of Swords crossover. And Anne Nascenti uh, created both Longshot and Mojo. Uh, Longshot was an X-Man for a little while and is both the father and son of Shatterstar, who is a queer uh, character. How does that work? No idea. It's the Mojoverse. <laughs> Just go with it. Jasmine's um, involved as well, too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like they were, I mean, and they were creators in the 80s where you didn't see a lot of representation happening. Uh, and the fact that they helped shape uh, some, uh, you know, a lot of the X mythos 
during a really pivotal time is absolutely huge. Favorite character uh, is Oracle, who is Barbara Gordon uh, in DC Comics. She was Batgirl at one point uh, in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, she was um, paralyzed by the Joker in The Killing Joke, and she became uh, her own character. While she was stuck in a wheelchair, she became one of the most pivotal and powerful characters in the DC universe. Um, they retconned the fact you know, that she became Batgirl again during the New 52, but now uh, while uh, the infinite frontier is happening in DC Comics, she is uh, becoming Oracle once again. So I'm super, super happy about that. And a graphic novel by a female creator is something I read uh, quite a while ago, but I like to return to it quite often. It's Persopolis by Marjane uh, Satrapi. Uh, she is an Iranian French uh, creator, and it is an autobiographical, autobiographical tale, excuse me, I can't talk today, of her, she and her family leaving Iran when the Shah got deposed and the Ayatollah took over. Uh, it is a wonderful story. It is heartbreaking. It's funny. It's charming. The art is gorgeous. And they even turn it into an animated film. So highly, highly recommend it. Very nice. Um, should I go now then? Yeah, uh, go for it, Clark. Okay, I'm going to hop back on the artist train with this. I'm doing a Pia Guerra, who is the co-creator and um, artist for Why the Last Man, who we're going to definitely, we're going to be talking about both her and the series quite a lot in the next year and a half slash who the hell knows if it gets brought up a million more seasons since it's been fucking dragged along the floor for literally 10 years but I, the art is gorgeous i i do love the paper itself also even though that has nothing to do with her but i don't know i like just like the grays and browns but every single thing you, you can tell every single person they're all no one's like a big schmo looking mess um, I just love how she draws the, um, I don't want to spoil too much if we're going to be talking about it. But anyways, Ampersand, the monkey's great. Um, everything just seems so realistic without looking like actual, like, I don't know, some sort of sketching humans kind of nonsense. Some weird sex faces that certain artists do for the X-Men. I don't know. It just feels homey, even though it's like a horrible deathscape of everything going wrong. Right. It's um we always want to comment on artists and we never do it. So I'm so proud of us right now. We I all correct. did it on our own. <laughs> um so favorite character. I mean I've already talked to Polaris a million times. My second favorite character, which might be left fieldy, is Tigra. Mm -hmm. Um Avengers character who has had a long history since like 1972. She's been in a million things. Avengers quite a bit. We talked about John Byrne screwing her over and making her a piece of shit character for a little bit because he's a bad person. Um, and then when when Civil War was about to happen, yeah, I'm going to talk about it. Um, yes. <laughs> they just decided it would be a great idea to have her get like uh, not sexually assaulted, but basically assaulted like on videotape. And then it was passed around to all the villains to see. She's because she's always in like a like a black bikini, and she's in like a tiger form. Zah, spoilers, everybody. She's in tiger form, and so that was horrifying. And that like Marvel fans were fucking furious, and rightly yeah. so. It was like uproar central. And then um, after that, uh, after uh, the initiative, um, excuse me, when the initiative started, right after Civil War, Christos uh, Gage and Dan Slott got a hold of her, and that's such a bad thing to say after I just talked about. Uh, anyways, uh, uh, don't, don't mean to say that. Um, they got a hold of her, and they made her a fucking amazing character. She was, I mean, she had obviously had to go through trauma, but she became like, a, that's when she became my favorite character. 
Uh, she was strong as hell, interesting, had her weird baby with the clone version, I mean, uh, with the scroll version of Hank Pym. And when she finally got to get her revenge on the, oh, what's, his, what's that asshole's name? The, uh, the, 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 anyways, the asshole that beat the shit out of her. Um, she didn't tear him apart or anything. She literally just brought in his wife and his kid and said, look what this fucking guy's done. He's a piece of shit. And like, it was amazing. I don't know. It was so good. And then she continued on to Avengers Academy, which I fucking loved and hasn't been seen much since, but she did show up in the most recent um, Wasp series, not Nadia, the daughter, and introduce her to her weird half scroll baby tiger creature as they're being siblings, which was very nice. Cool. I know she was on Jessica Jones and we don't, it's a dark time, so we can talk about that. But she was no, there. that was Hellcat. Oh, sorry, Hellcat. My apologies. Too many cats. Remember, remember, remember Tigra and Dazzler were supposed to have that show on Hulu. Oh, fuck, uh, yeah. I'm glad it didn't happen and won't be happening ever. Yeah. Um, anyways, my... So speaking of Hellcat, actually, since she's probably my third favorite uh, female character, um, Catherine Eminen is um, a writer that I actually love, and she did a miniseries that called Patsy Walker Hellcat from 2008. Uh, David LaFuente was the, the illustrator, and it's fucking gorgeous. It is so strange. It's about oh. her becoming the only member of the Alaska uh, team of the In Avengers Initiative because no one wants anybody up there, and she just has to deal with weird magical... I don't even know, like a like a five person female group that might be sleeping with one man, and it, it it's weird witchy stuff, and it's great. It's so good. Uh, well, um, since Adam couldn't be here today, he wanted us to give a special shout out to Noel Stevenson, who of course was the showrunner for the Shira uh, Netflix series that we have reviewed on podcast, and is a wonderful graphic novelist uh, in her own right. If you haven't read. Kimona, uh, I highly, highly, highly recommend that you do. It's delightful. It's queer. Um, it's wonderful. It's great for people of all ages. All right. So why don't we move on to uh, the long-awaited Children of the Atom number one by Vita Ayala and Bernard Chang. Um, supposed to come out last year. It was a certainly a victim of uh, the COVID um, uh, lack of comics that we started seeing in the spring. And then uh, Marvel decided to hold off on releasing it because it, they didn't want to interrupt the Ten of Swords storyline and some of the other storylines uh, they came in. So um, it's an interesting start, and I don't quite know if I like it or if I don't yet. And I'm hoping that we can have a conversation among the four of us uh, to, to figure out what exactly everything means. So just a really quick synopsis. Um, you've got uh, five characters that we've never seen before. Uh, and they all resemble uh, well-known uh, X-Men, uh, including uh, a Cyclops lass, a uh, Marvel boy, uh, Daycrawler, Cherub. And there's a fifth character who is escaping me at this time. It is um, Gimmick. 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 Gimmick, who is yeah, supposed to be kind of like Gambit. Uh, but instead of throwing cards, she throws pins from her pincushion. Um, so they are fighting a bunch of uh, uh, other uh, depowered mutants, uh, mutants who were uh, depowered during M-Day uh, called the Hell's Bells. Um, 
they uh, they find a, a small group of X-Men, including Pixie, uh, Maggot, and Magma, come and say, hey, why don't you come to the island? They come up with all these excuses. Uh, you find out that they're a bunch of high school kids um, at a New York prep academy. Uh, the actual X-Men in on uh, the blue side of the moon saying, hey, we can't really find them on Cerebro, but we really should bring them uh, to Krakoa for their own protection. And then we find out... Um, that uh, when they try to get to the island uh, through one of the gates, they can't. So there's a question mark of whether they are mutants at all. So there's a bit of a mystery happening right now and I'm sure more will be revealed. But Brent, I'll turn it over to you first. Well, I just wanted to ask like a history question. When the Hell's Bells were formed and picking their name, were all the good names taken or why did they, why are they called that awful stupid name? Mm, I mean, they I went think up you answer your question. So, yeah. I mean, I, bad I think names were going around, honestly. You know? Were they ever cool? Were they ever awesome? No. Like, oh, no, oh, oh guys, watch, watch out for the Hell's Bells. They they were created um in by Peter David, and uh, he liked just create weird ass teams for that first X Factor run that he did, oh. including <laughs> the Nasty Boys and Hell's Bells. Um, and I mean, their All names teams are, that ruin PTA meetings. Their names are like briquette and flambe, so there's definitely a fire and you know hellish theme to it. So I don't know. I guess they wanted to call themselves that because they wanted to be idiots. I have no idea. It, it clearly yeah. is just one of those teams that they're like, this is a team of superheroes and they need to go up against another team. So let's create that team and not spend a lot of time on it. And that happens a lot through the history of Marvel, DC, all comics. I think terrible super villain teams have been created that way a lot. Caleb. Yeah, Brent, you sound like somebody who's never read early 90s image comics and it shows because there are some terrible names going around of those. Like just look up anything by Rob Layfield or by Mark Silvestri or anything. I mean, uh, those were some uninspired names. So Hell's Bells is actually Tolstoy compared to some of the stuff that we saw back then. But um, we normally do this on Homo Superior you know, where we say why this is the best, why this is the worst. So why don't we start with the positive? Why was Children of the Atom number one the best? Brent. I feel like Vita really got um, the main characters, the, not the main characters, but the more famous characters' voices down really mm. well in a way that I thought was interesting. Um, I thought, you know, it's a very great compare and contrast of, when you know how someone is supposed to sound, just sitting around talking in two different locations. So like they've got the, uh, you know, the, the true X-Men playing pool, just chit-chatting and arguing with each other. It's very interesting. You're constantly want to read more and faster compared to two characters you don't really know well, who are sitting around watching a basketball game and it feels kind of long and sluggish. Um, but I think that it, it brings me a lot of hope because as these characters are developed further, they will have strong voices and they will have good conflict that makes them actually seem distinct and interesting. Right? Yeah, um, I, I'd agree with that. I thought the voices were down, especially for the actual X-Men. I thought it was pretty good, actually. Um, uh, th the reason why I think this is probably the best is Vita did a lot of press before this. It obviously, this was supposed to come out months ago. So it's uh, uh, 
they they were doing a bunch of press in terms of like talking like these are the most kids that have ever been on kids that are kids in the X-Men universe. And so that gave me a little bit pause in terms of what direction these What is she saying? What <laughs> does that mean? But, but they, what are sorry, they, they saying? Hey, sorry. I was correcting myself before you corrected me. I'm sorry, they. But, but uh, in, in a lot of the interviews, uh, the impression was that they like, I felt like it was going to be, they were going to be on TikTok and they were going to ensure like a website was created and stuff like that. But I thought it was going to be a little bit too leaning into uh, not realistic characters because they wanted to appeal to such a new audience that could come in. But I thought all the characters seemed pretty real. And as the resident person who loves a new X-Men team of like new characters of like younger, the younger generation and like what their place is within the X-Men. I thought this was done really well because I did have, uh, I kind of did have not the highest expectations for this, but I thought it was executed really well. And um, I, I was excited about all these different characters. Um, but I have a few complaints as well that I'll get to in a little bit. So, um, Clark, do you have something uh, positive to say, or I, I mean, can jump I, into? I, nothing that you guys have not already said. I think I, I, I think I was the most negative about this coming in because I don't give three shits about new anybody's um, that aren't the new X Men or before. Um, I, um, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it. I think I said it on on Slack that I enjoyed it more than I expected. I mean, I think she writes characters well. They write characters they well. Write I'm characters well. God damn sorry it. to be a... okay. Um, so I will um, add one more positive thing, and then I think we can talk about some things that we maybe had some some issues with. Uh, one, I what I love about the X books right now in general is the world building, and the conversation that you saw in the high school about Dazzler releasing a new single with like Lizzo as a guest star. That was I cute. love that stuff. That was so cute. And then when when then there was the conflict that was happening with the the normie kids, uh, you know, they were like going off about the mutants where they were talking about, well, like, you know, they're building an army and they're going to come attack us. And it's such an interesting. Um, like almost like a not quite a flip, but like it's a new way of adding like mutant prejudice that we haven't quite seen before. And it's very much reflective of what we've seen in the real world where, you know, you had like, if you go back to last summer with the Black Lives Matters protests um, in, the, in the wake of the murder of George Floyd, you know, you had a lot of people like from all, you know, walks of life, you know, all corners of the globe, like coming in and supporting this. And then there was a backlash of like, well, you know, a lot of them are looters or like, you know, you know can we stop talking about this? I feel exhausted by this. Blah, 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 blah. It was like, it was a really shitty backlash. And you almost start seeing that a little bit in the X book. So it's not just like, oh, they're mutants. I hate them because they're born different. They're mutants because now they have too many rights and they're trying to take away my rights. And they have their own nation and their own culture and their own nationality. And they're just setting up uh, this like uh, superpower to come and invade us. I think is a really smart way to look at mutant prejudice again. So why don't we get into why we thought this was the worst, Brian? Um, I, I will reiterate that I, I think this is a good 
title so far, I think it's a good start. Um, it is sort of got you jazzed for the team. I really enjoyed it. With that said, um, it's pretty convenient that all of their powers seem to mirror another X-Men. And I think it's not just a happy coincidence. I think it's very intentional because I don't think these are actually mutants. And this is getting into theorizing, but I've seen this done before with, um, there was a title early 2000s, like the, the New Warriors, I think it was volume four or something. And it was giving me a lot of those vibes, which I'm very scared of because that title was hot garbage, hot garbage. Yeah. Basically, it was depowered mutants that through technology or some other means were getting powers and crime fighting that way. So like Wind Dancer from the new X-Men was one of them. Like it's uh it it's giving me slightly that vibes and the way they were talking about the costumes and um like uh, are you sure this is working right? Are you sure to do it? I'm slightly worried about that because I um not that if they don't have powers, whatever, but like, I just don't want it to go down that path that where we've seen it before. Um, but it's just a little bit too convenient for me for you to like have the same almost exact powers as one of your, your and also Cyclops last is not a nickname anyone wants. Can, Clark, what do you have to say? Um, I, I definitely said this on Slack too. Everyone needed to shut the fuck up it was conversation all the time. I re-looked through it and there were so many word bubbles. I wanted to absolutely die. And then there was, there were, um, there was what's narration over narration boxes were just kind of jammed in the corners, the same color as the fucking word bubbles. And I'm like, I don't know which ones to read first. Cause usually they'd be in a different color and therefore you could functionally set them apart. It was so frustrating and I didn't care. And I mean, I, I liked them. They don't, they didn't need to tell all this shit immediately. And I think that's partially because it's a year late. So they need to get these characters so that when they do the hellfire stuff that we're going to talk about, um, the, we know them enough to be able to give a shit what's happening. But it was a slog, especially during that fucking basketball game. I was like, shut your mouth. Just watch the game. I don't care. I don't give a shit. I don't care who's romantically interested in whom. Brent? Well, basketball is the fake X-Men's baseball. So yeah, yeah. Uh, you're going to have to expect that a lot more. Uh, for me, it's three, it's three simple words. Not enough maggot. That's it. Otherwise, great. Good start. Ryan. It's, I'm, uh, I like that they were like, Pixie showed up and you were, they were like, who is this old bitch? This old veteran bitch, Pixie. Pixie is like 16 years old. And they're like, you old mother... What the... You veteran cunt. Like, I love that. I love that. They were like, excuse me. And maggots here? They were like, shocked. I love that. I love that these were the celebrities to them. Kaylin. So one, I am shocked that Brent loves maggot. Uh, <laughs> whoa, whoa, that whoa. That is not what I said. Nope, it's not I said I want more. I want more maggot. I don't love maggot. Yeah, what you did wanna, I say? You want to hate something properly? Well, he seems like a ridiculous character who has no place in anything. And I think that those kind of having uh, red hellions. Now I'm all amped up for that kind of character. 
Also, just to uh, riff off what Ryan said, it feels very much like a Gen Z versus millennials thing that you've been seeing like everywhere and mostly in like that ridiculous BuzzFeed article. And it's like, Gen Z is making fun of side parts and skinny jeans because they want to dress like they do in the early 90s because that's apparently back. Like for those of us who were around in the early 90s, please don't do that. The fashions were terrible. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, I, one thing I, I, I will also say, like, cause I agree with everything that y'all have said. Um, I think there's a little bit too much of an exposition dump. Also, I wasn't really fond of the art and I didn't hate it necessarily. There were times where I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And then I would like turn the page. Well, you know, turn the digital page because I'm reading it on Comixology. And I was like, I don't really like the way that looks. It, it just felt very inconsistent. Uh, uh, Bernard Chang stuff. It just, I don't know. I, it, it just looked too angular at times. Like I liked some of the faces. I actually liked the art in the basketball uh, uh, scene because they actually looked like kids. They looked like high school kids. Uh, but then, you know, when when they showed some of the scenes with the X-Men, I just thought it looked a little murky and a little, uh, just a little unfinished. Well, they had to squish and them it, into the corner around all the word bubbles. <laughs> there you go. And And... <laughs> And also the, the the bigger reveal of them not being able to get on Koa, I'm like, we've kind of seen us with Cape Pride a little bit. So is it like that bigger reveal? I don't know. And and I'll just say one more thing. Um, with the X-Men, uh, you know, having that conversation about whether they should come to Krakoa or not, why don't they ever talk about the possibility that they might not be mutants? Why are they so convinced that they're mutants? Because if Cerebro can't find them, like that's not, a, I mean, maybe that'll be explained in, in, in subsequent issues, but there's not enough information there for me as a reader right now to believe the X-Men believing that they are mutants. Ding dong, Caleb. Yeah. Completely agree. Like why was that not even a factor that they could think of? Just because they're like, yeah. we're mutants, we kind of look like you guys. Can we do a quick deep dive on how we feel about their code names? Yeah. Sure. yeah. What, what are they? What are they? Absolutely. So we have Marvel Guy, Cherub, Cyclops Lass, Gimmick, and Daycrawler. Rip them apart, y'all. So so Daycrawler, it was the character I actually liked. He's like the goofball, but also it seems so dementedly like not correct that I enjoy it. So Daycrawler is such a stupid fucking name that I... fits with his stupid fucking character. Cherub, I thought, was actually kind of a clever name. Yeah, that's good. I thought that was kind of cool. Gimmick, I, that's kind of out of left field, too. I kind of like those two. But Cyclops should be gutted. Gutted, that name. Would you like it more if it was Cyclops' ass? Yes, bitch! <laughs> it's also so, Blast and Ho. <laughs> so can I... Can I be a little controversial i actually don't mind the name cyclops last and the only reason for that is because of my love of the legion of superheroes for dc comics and (laughs) and like they're the legion and x-men actually have a little bit of a like a shared history in some ways like dave cockrum like designed a lot of the costumes for the all new all different x-men like storm cyclops uh, storm colossus nightcrawler uh, uh those three especially um and um and he also designed a lot of legion of superheroes costumes 
And the Imperial Guard for the Shi'ar were based on the Legion of Superheroes. So like Gladiator was actually based on Superboy uh, and a bunch of others. Um, so I like it just like giving me it gave me a little bit of that Legion nostalgia. So I didn't really mind it. Daycrawler was the only one that I really rolled my eyes at. I was like, OK, That's why I liked it. It was super yeah. eye rolling because that character is a fool. Yeah. <laughs> with um, with Cherub, I could only think of the that episode of Parks and Rec where Tom is painted as a little angel baby yeah. in the corner of <laughs> Leslie Nope as a huntress. And so I'm like, that's, I just can't think of that as a smart, good name. Oh my God. Where he's like, he's complaining about like, why did, why did, why did he have like a belly, like a little like fat baby belly in that picture? Oh my yeah, God. Exactly. So, it's so, so good. Uh, so Clark, anything else? Uh, oh, go ahead. Clark. I, Clark had something. I have two things. One I think is incredibly important. One is who the fuck is Cole? Oh, like in the on. middle of nowhere, they just show some man had that been in hospital for like two panels, and then he just like does well at basketball, and then that's it. I'm like, who the fuck is this, and why do we care? They they didn't introduce him well enough at all. And also, yeah. I, I will tell you who Cole will be. He's yeah. going to be called Metal Bender, and he's also going to yeah. not have real powers, and he's going to control metal. So. I was I was thinking he's the only one that's actually a mutant. Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah. So, so the other important thing is that we've seen these characters before, and I don't know if you guys remember or realize. Do you remember Marvel Voices, the um, Indigenous Peoples issue? Um, yeah. There was a plot line where Forge was in some shitty race, some car race, and he didn't do well, and he wanted to create new inventions. And these five kids are like fawning over him, thinks he's so cool, and they've got their little books to like have him sign stuff. And he's like, "Oh, I should come up with a new invention, something to that extent." And basically either he's uh, like this is what he did these kids are most likely humans that have these robotic powers blah blah, blah or you know, abilities because forge made them yeah uh, the other thing is that um vida Ayala has said this is a book about fanboys and cosplay it's, it's not about mutants it's that's it's you know the whole cult of x and all that weird shit that this is the good version that people they're actually you know, they revere them positively into negatively, but then also they're kind of doing blackface at the same time, or <laughs> mutant face. So I think she's def. Oh, they fuck. Um, Vita is definitely dealing with all these different switches, you know, back and forth and dichotomies and trichotomies and who knows what else is. Yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to. I see. That's what I. That's why I like to see this issue is because I, of what is to come and what I've been told is to come, and actually our good thought thoughtful plot points or ideas yeah no for sure i yeah there's a lot of potential the, the one other thing i'll just quickly mention and it's clear that this was supposed to come out a year ago is there's a lot of references to the outlaw storyline that's happening in mm -hmm. champions which is like like you have the u.s government like outlawing like young superheroes and i was like like for a second i was like what the fuck are they talking about and then i was like oh that's right it's outlaw we never read it well, we no, didn't we didn't read it because I, I Outlaw, Outlaw, it. it's good. I like it a lot. That lost none of us read it. it. <laughs> That's still happening now. They they have pushed everything Outlaw related up. Yeah. Oh, they have. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, so good to know. So Ryan, uh, maybe we can. Maybe that'll be an extra issue. But what's that? Do 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 do. It's a news flash. 
All right, let's get into some news. Um, so in July of this year, HBO Max will be releasing a follow-up movie to Space Jam titled Space Jam A New Legacy. It'll feature a fictionalized version of LeBron James, who is trapped by a character named Al G. Rhythm in no. something called the Order oh 3000 Serververse. Stop. Stop. Try to follow along because it will pull characters from Batman, Casablanca, The Matrix, and Mad Max in a gambit to get LeBron James Instagram followers. It'll also have Wonder Woman's Amazonians, basketball, and the Goon Squad. So I'll start with my first question. What is it about this timeless story that makes it so important for today's political climate? Um, wow. I have no, I have no I thoughts. Even, <laughs> I, have no th- I have no thoughts on this. None. I'm excited. It, Combine everything. Other people have pointed out that this is just like, it's what if we remade Tron Legacy? Yeah. This thing is just an advertisement for HBO Max. There's nothing else to it. Yeah. Why are you mad, though? It's great. Because <laughs> I don't care and I don't want it. That's why. <laughs> the first I'm one you fine. I saw okay. the first one in the theaters when I was a kid. Yeah, that was my question. Were y'all fans of your whole space cam? No. Yeah. I, st- I still have my jersey from back then, you know? It just says Space Jam on the back. I don't know if that's you a still, or a person, but no. You've, you've still got the, the original website bookmarked as one of your favorites, right? <laughs> Check my MySpace out for more information. Yeah, exactly. Did you guys yeah. look at the link I sent of the original website? <laughs> Which Thank is still you. up. It's still, still up. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, right? look, I mean, yeah, I liked it like was i a fan it's it, it's a meaningless sentence because i hadn't seen you know any real films before like yeah <laughs> six-year-old me thought this is really great this is the height of cinema you know never knowing another film existed outside of hunchback of notre dame so <laughs> ryan <laughs> like why can't we have fun y'all why can't you just enjoy this this is going to be nonsense it's, i think they're going to actually put some time into it so it might be better than we think um, but also I'm kind of sad because Kaylin, you know, there's going to be a new space jam song that's coming out. I wish you could really mix that into your set and we could actually go out and dance in a club to it. You know, that's uh, right. Right after I play R Kelly's, I, I believe I can fly. Right. <laughs> no, yeah. Because R Kelly is now uncanceled. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're not doing that. All right. Moving on. So in. <laughs> Other uh, HBO Max related news. Uh, We're so close to seeing Zack Snyder's version of the Justice League, but the movie itself couldn't wait to be released as a glitch caused it to play early when people started watching the Tom and Jerry movie. Both of the people who saw it said they really liked the first hour and said it was the best DC movie they have seen. I'm really curious if you guys think, was this just a stunt and how desperate would you say this is on a scale of nine to 10? Kaylin. Uh, I give it 99 red balloons uh, worth of like stunt, desperate stunt. It is so fucking prefab. Like, of course, that's what they did. It's just like they are trying to make this so successful because there's so much money and like reputation riding on it. The fact that they actually buckled to grassroots pressure, which on like, 
just on the face of it, I actually don't mind that. I don't think this movie will be good, but, you know, a company basically saying, oh, you know, a bunch of consumers, a bunch of readers, a bunch of, you know, viewers want to see something. Yeah, let's give them what they want. Uh, but it ain't going to be good. Brent? I, I can't wait until a few months from now we find out uh, through explosive you know, deep investigation that the people they forced to watch Tom and Jerry, they had to pay to watch Tom and Jerry. <laughs> I thought about doing it. I was like, you know what? I don't care. That you literally in this in this news story, the shocking thing was that two people actually watched that goddamn movie. Like honestly, yeah. what the fuck? So, so I actually read a review of Tom and Jerry on AV Club or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it sounded insane. I was like, Tom and Jerry is just about a cat and a mouse trying to kill one another. Mm -hmm. And like, there's like a whole plot on top of this about like a hotel that's being bought out or something. I'm like, what? Who wrote yeah. this? And why? Like, why is that part of like a plot about a, a, a homicidal mouse and and cat? Because that's not that's not what happens anymore in those cartoons. It's not them against each other a lot of the time. It's the same thing where Looney Tunes has totally changed, where half the time they're joining up together because no one can ever be antagonistic ever again. Well, I am impressed, though, that our ability to integrate animation and live action has not improved from the first day that we tried to do it. It is and the exact same. Space Jam, it has not improved at all. No, since Who Framed Roger Rabbit from 1988. I, mean, that, yeah. I, uh, I remember when I watched the Rocky and Bullwinkle movie with fucking Piper Piraboo. And it was the most awful piece of shit, partially because she's terrible, partially because it's just, they were trying to, the animation was an embarrassment. Huh. <laughs> I All don't right. know who Piper Beerboo is. And uh, Renee assuming... Russo played Natasha. Oh, that's actually good casting. I'm trying to think who he was. I don't remember. Bob Hoskins, who the fuck knows? All right. Joe Pesci. Let's move on to some TV news. <laughs> Let's move on to some TV news. Uh, with the Disney Plus She-Hulk series about to start production, uh, there's announcement they're looking to cast a shape-shifting alien who has embraced Earth's culture. Um, do you think this show is just going to be more set up for Secret Wars? Because if so, I love it. Not really a question. Uh, also, apparently we'll be getting appearances from Mark Ruffalo and Tim Roth. Uh, and Tim Roth was Abomination in the Hulk featuring uh, Ed Norton. Does any of this news excite you guys? Uh, Ryan? Um, this is kind of exciting because all the cameos that everyone was shooting their loads on that never got from WandaVision, they can have it in this one show. So they can literally show up and say, like, uh, uh, I don't know, like, fucking Dr. Strange should be like, I have too many parking tickets. And then it's part of the show. Like, it's they can do whatever the fuck they do, which is kind of, I mean, it's made for the audience that it's built around. Um, with that said, I would like some really obscure ones. There's talk of like Daredevil and other people showing up, but like it'd be fun to see some of those like random cameos from Jessica like, Jones is another one that people keep talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like stuff like that, I think, could incorporate pretty well. Kaylin, what do you Kaylin? think? So do we know the sequence of the later Disney Plus shows like Moon Knight, She Hall, mm -hmm. Secret Wars? I'll pull it up right now. Great. So it was Dan it was um it was supposed to be Danny DeVito and, uh, oh God. And then it ended up, no, it ended up being Joe Pesci. Who did it end up being? Someone, Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro played Boris in 
The Rocky Balloon. Oh, we're going. We're That's going back to that. Okay. I, I it, have to it, find it. out when I say something wrong. I have to have to check to see what I actually meant. Got mm-hmm. it. Instead of we're in, we would have just been sitting in silence as Ryan struggled with his phone. <laughs> Honestly, that was better than this. <laughs> I didn't want. I don't want more mo- information about Rocky Balloon. Did you know? That Meryl Streep yeah. was originally supposed to play Natasha, and that's not a joke. It literally was supposed to be Meryl Streep. Then so they cast be her Rocky? as Bullwinkle. Yeah. No, but Rocky. She was supposed to be Bullwinkle. Yeah, exactly. That would have been yeah. amazing. She's a talent. She's amazing in it. Oh, my God. You have to see Streep's Bullwinkle. All right. Uh, Carl, do you got so, it? Um, so, it uh, so she hope will come out before Secret Invasion, which makes sense because they announced Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, and She-Hulk all together in that one little clump, and then Secret Invasion, Ironheart, all those second clump of all those ones. Oh, Armor um, Wars, all Wars, that, all of that yeah. will come after. So yeah, I mean, yeah. they can do so much setup for Secret Invasion. They may have even done that with like uh, WandaVision. I mean, there's obvious, real, <laughs> obvious clues in that one there. I mean, Dottie is obviously a scroll, right? I mean. That's what I want. I want to see Emma Caulfield in everything. I love her. We just yeah, find out sure. the entire town of Westview was all scroll. <laughs> that'd be uh, Jacinda like was the scroll from the Peter David recent She-Hulk or his recent She-Hulk series. So clearly, they're if they're looking for a female scroll who is related to She-Hulk, it's clearly that character. I, I think that's the most. He was kind of like the bounty hunter helper for She-Hulk. Hmm. So, in other uh, Disney Plus Marvel show news, uh, the actor George St. Pierre, who will be playing Batroc the Leaper on the upcoming Falcon and the Winter Soldier series, said that there will be bigger reveals in the show than even in WandaVision. Anything is bigger than zero, so could he just be lying to get better ratings? Kalen? So, my... The irony of it is, is that the revelation that Batroc is going to be in Falcon and Winter Soldier, because I didn't know that until he said there's going to be big revelations. I'm like, bitch, you're the biggest revelation. I'm so happy. I love Batroc. I even even loved him in the beginning of Winter Soldier, even though he wasn't playing his like super goofy French. I mean, he was French, but he wasn't like super, super goofy like we've seen him in Thunderbolts recently. So I really hope they like kind of up the camp factor for him. Ryan. Oh my god, if they make him like comics accurate him, bitch, that would be amazing. That would be so he, fun. That I would be the so iconic fun. character for people watching it if he was as loopy as give him that mustache. Oh, with that all said, if they do reveals uh like that, I would love for them to be creating sort of like a dark avenger sort of thing. So Baron Zemo is obviously going to play a big role. So if they were putting, if he was putting together a team of like people, I'm throwing Agnes in it in my mind, like, like just of like his own sort of like super team. Cause we haven't seen the super villain team yet. So this is going to be say the Thunderbolts maybe? Thunderbolts, yeah. Thunderbolts, Dark Avengers. Yeah, exactly. Same thing. Like, it could be anything. Yeah. Brent? Uh, when, when I, so another thing he talked about was how compartmentalized a lot of the film production was. And certainly that's been the case increasingly so with Marvel productions. So different actors don't know always every single part that they're filming up until even possibly the last couple of uh, sequences that are filming. <clears throat> but there's also this other thing of like, Catherine Hahn 
you know, talking about being Agatha and not really understanding what that meant. So they had to explain it to her like three times in order for her to understand like, what does this actually mean? Is it a big deal? And there's a part of me that wonders, was there just some executive who's like, or story, you know, you know, the showrunner is like, this is really important. I mean, this is like a big deal so that they as a character feel amped up in order to like portray it right. Uh, rather than thinking like, oh, I'm just a low-level villain. It doesn't really matter. To me, it seems like they might just be dumb actors who are being tricked by a studio. Caleb? So uh, just since we're talking about Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, I just want to give a little bit of a preview for our listeners that we will be doing a Class X Who is U.S. Agent um, episode coming out next Wednesday. Uh, so we'll go be doing some a uh, little bit of a digging and some back issues of uh, the aptly named Johnny Walker. Uh, and at one point, his uh, alias was also Jack Daniels. I am not making that up. Nothing um, wrong with that. Yeah, no, he's he's a very boozy man. But uh, we're going to be going through some back issues and figuring out who he is and what makes him tick. Uh, thank you for doing that. Uh, I'm very curious to see if any of his friends are like Evan Williams or Gentleman Jack. Uh, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> So uh, in the last bit of TV news, the third season of Doom Patrol has cast Michelle Gomez as the villain Madame Rouge. Uh, Gomez has starred in The Chilling Adventures of Garbage on Netflix and The Flight Attendant on HBO Max. Uh, why is this the perfect casting choice, even if you've never heard of this villain? She is she, one of the best he, human beings ever. She is so weird and funny and she'd be dark as hell. And I just showed you a bit, sent a clip of uh, the show Greenwing, which is a fucking bizarre British show where she plays a nut. And she it's she is so good at just being wa- wild, wacky, and messed up. It's like also, literally just give her a bookcase to like peer around and just be like, <laughs> mm, and like, that'll be a scene stealer right there. Yeah. They, like on the show, they need. Uh, I I don't hate the show, but like they need some better actors on the show. They need some star power. So like I'm glad they're bringing her on. It'll it'll help the show immensely. Caitlin. No, and the casting is absolutely wonderful because Madame Rouge is a total femme fatale. So you have you want somebody who's going to vamp up the scenes and yeah. like I mean Doom Patrol has not been a perfect show, but it's been a very enjoyable one in the first uh, two seasons we've seen. And when the, the the villains are just chewing the scenery, I am all about it. Brent? Uh, I love Catherine Hahn, but my only wish is that when she revealed she's Agatha Harkness, she reveals that she's actually Michelle Gomez. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right, let's uh, talk about a little bit of uh, comic news. Kalen, I believe we've got yeah. some planet-sized uh, issues. Yeah, so first up, uh, uh, in June, uh, Marvel is going to be re- releasing planet-sized X-Men, not giant-sized X-Men. Giant's too small. We need a planet-sized X-Men, and it's going to be written by Jerry Dugan, who has been writing Marauders and Cable, and drawn by Pepe Larraz, who is one of my favorite artists. He drew half of, well, he drew the House of X issues of Pox and Pox, and as well as the uh, the main issues uh, during Ten of Swords. And it, it's tying in with the Hellfire Gala that we've been talking about on this podcast for several months. And so there are a lot of changes afoot uh, that are going to be happening. Uh, but curious to hear from you guys about what you want to see happen and what you think will happen. I mean, I, to me, clearly, they're going to be terraforming Mars. 
We have Storm. Remember the solicitations for the like, next Marauders, not two, two from now, was like she's, Storm is going to look to the stars. And you've got these four characters on the front cover of Planet Size that can, in fact, terraform goddamn anything. It's Iceman, Storm, Jean Grey, and Magneto. And, I mean, I don't see what else it could be. If it's called fucking Planet Size, I mean, it's going to... There's a planet involved. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. I think it'll probably be Mars too. And also Hickman in his past has like been obsessed with Mars and through like the builders and some other shit. So like I can completely see that happening. The other thing that I think will be happening um, is because I think in the early, when they were kicking off this sort of like Hickman run of all the X books, they said romance is going to be such a bigger thing. So I think since it's a big old gala, people are going to get drunk, and we're going to see a lot of hookups. Yes, and we're going to see, and we're going to see a lot of like relationships start at that gala. Like you're going to see some stuff because we haven't really seen it too much. So I'm kind of ready to see like the old school X Men where everyone's own city. Yeah, and it's not yeah. it's not everyone's fucking Marvel Girl and Cyclops. They're like other relationships will start too. Yeah, I agree with the whole um, Mars concept too. The cover has those four characters, as you mentioned, but it's also a red background. Red, of course, mm-hmm. is the color that's often associated with Mars. Mm-hmm. And Brian, to your point, Hickman is so obsessed with Mars, he actually had a graphic novel called Red Mass to Mars for Image. And there was a lot of speculation uh, early on, even before Hawks and Pox came out, that it was uh, the X-Men were going to relocate to some other planet and Mars being you know, the most logical choice. So I think this is just something that was always kind of in his story Bible, and he just wanted to get a little further along in the X-Books before he got there. Brent? Hex, uh, Hickman is obsessed with Mars. Like, did you guys see his tweet? I would fuck Mars. Yeah. Crazy. Kalen's talking about right after, it was at AVX, where we thought they were going to go to another planet because that's what everyone was thinking was going to happen, but it was actually just limbo as some yeah, comrade piece of shit. Oh, was that oh was that IVX though? It's not AVX, right? Yeah, you're right. Was that for in, 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 in human? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that'll be coming out in June, so yeah. yeah. So there's going to be it's going to be that, and there's going to be twelve issues that are all going to be taking place at the same time at the Hellfire Gala. So each an issue of every single one of the series is going to be happening, and we're going to get them all in a month. So it's going to be seeing twelve different angles to the same event, which is so going to be really very, cool. very Rashomon. Yeah, that is the that is also the drunk brunch hangover way of recounting the prior night where every single person tells where they were at the party and who they got in a fight with. Also, it's so clever because they can you know how they're going to basically announce who the new X-Men will be. They can clearly just write one story of the fan favorite X-Men and just pop that in without them having to change the story. So it's pretty smart um, yeah. on them just to like just do it that way. So the other thing in June that's coming up, since it's also Pride Month, uh, DC is releasing a special uh, to celebrate LGBTQIA+. It's going to be an anthology with a bunch of queer characters uh, written and illustrated by queer creators. So just really quickly, it'll be Batman, Batwoman excuse me, by James Tinian IV and Trung uh, Lee Nguyen, Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn by Mariko Tamaki and Amy Reeder, Midnighter by Steve Orlando and Stephen Fern. Uh, the Flash of Earth-11, uh, a.k.a. Jess Chambers, who is non-binary, by Danny Lore and Lisa Stirl. Green Lantern, the Alan Scott version, who recently 
came out of the closet uh, in uh, Infinite Frontier number zero um, and uh, and his son Obsidian by Sam Johns and Klaus Jensen, Aqualad uh, by Andrew Wheeler and Luciano Vecchio, Dreamer by Nicole Maines and uh, Rachel Stott, uh, Renee Montoya by Vita Ayala and Skylar Patridge and The Pied Piper by Cena Grace, Rose Stein and Ted Brandt. So, um, Really excited to see some of these characters and these creators. I will definitely be reading it. Uh, we will probably be reviewing it as an extra issue, if not on a regular podcast. And I really hope that Marvel does some like a Marvel Voices, like they've done for uh, Indigenous uh, for the Indigenous Voices, as well as for Black History Month uh, in June. Yeah. Yeah. And. and... <laughs> Uh, and with that, uh, Clark. Sorry, I thought I thought Gillen was going to do the uh, announcement, but with that, uh, Clark, I believe you've got something we should watch out. How much time do we have? As much time as, as you as want. As much as you want, sweet baby doll. We got Biden. We got Biden. Okay, so we're doing this. All right. All right. So Clark's got something. This is going to be um, something. So um, as I've said. I, I, every once in a while, it depends, because right now theater is not happening, but I, I teach groups of kids um, writing and we deal with having them acted out on the stage and everything over a group, like a four month period where we have them create tons and tons of writings and then we cultivate and create stories and narrative out of it. So we're gonna do a short exercise today, which I always like to do. The first thing I do with my students is creating a play that is impossible to stage. So like where, the, like a building collapses and five babies explode magically that kind of shit mm -hmm. so anyways i'm gonna um it doesn't have to be fully unreal it doesn't have to be un it just has to be unreal realistic in this case it doesn't have to be like that so i want you guys at the start you're gonna do there's gonna be six points you guys are gonna write so seven excuse me first we need to write the setting so for example like the guthrie household in the 1980s and this can be any characters it just i want that to be known by the audience it could be the five of us it could be like something that the audience understands so they don't just make shit up all right so number one setting you write that down number two um a character a character enters and you explain how they entered or a description about them so for example a young cannonball sam guthrie enters grass stained scratching his taint he sniffs his hand mm -hmm. all right Character okay. character number two is already on stage. What are they doing? Who the character is? So his his mother Lucinda is center stage, washing skid marks from his soiled long johns. All right, first character. The entering character has to say a line. For example, "Hey, Ma, what's a turlet?" And then number two says, "Open your mouth and I'll show you, son." And then number one says. Why, Ma? I ain't had nothing to eat all day. And then number two says, well, tuck in. You're going to get your fill now of my poop. And then you have to do a final action, and it's they hug. So um, I need so I need the setting. Okay. Yep. I need the character that enters, the name of, and description, and or how they enter. Number three, the character that's already on stage. What are they doing? What do they look like? And then four lines, two for each character, and then a final action, be it someone leaving, someone getting run over by a train, etc. So, so you do that, Kaylin. I got. Yeah, 
I, I think I've got it. You got it ready? Uh, okay. Ready? <laughs> yeah, but I might I might be doing it wrong though. Okay, well so then write you, down. I, I can be I'm getting I, okay. I've written I've written down what I want to do or say, but okay. Ryan, you got you're writing? Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, I, I will ask a question. Yep. Can I yes? <laughs> Is there any confines to this story other than like the what the what you said? Like no, it, can it be like a sad tailor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can okay. be anything. It needs to be characters that people know. So don't make up some story that never has existed before. So I had uh, Cannonball okay. and his mother clearly. Um, so, anyways, I'll do. Um, I'll read something that my kids and I wrote one time. All right, the drawing room of a Victorian mansion in Kent, England, a home previously blighted by horror. The floor is made of frozen marmalade preferably a Seville orange varietal, but certainly not of Mandarin orange varietal, for that would come off as an obscene display of wealth, and we certainly do not want that. A great deal of unnecessary chairs and tables about. Upstage center, a fireplace. Above the mantel, a grand portrait of an unnamed squirrel ensnared in a dog leash and huddled under a pile of medication. Algernon Wentworth Van Cleve sits on a satin fainting couch. His baby donkey Flapjack lies prone in his lap, he has decorated military regalia. The donkey is, for Algernon Van, Van Cleve is a weak-willed simpleton. Also, he is a giant strawberry with legs. Marjorie, his wife enters, also a strawberry <laughs> with legs. Marjorie, husband dear, it has come to my attention that great aunt, also named Marjorie, has passed. Accordingly, we are requested to attend the reading of her will. As I have been told, action will create a great deal of dramatic tension. Ma Marjorie looks to the audience. The most horrific smile ever seen by man or beast is smeared across her face. The elderly woman in the front row vomits with fear as she leaps upon the stage, tearing off swaths of her own skin. Brent, are you almost done? I, I, I don't know how I'm supposed to write this fast. Um, <laughs> it's fine. I'm going to keep going to you. I, wife, I had no time for such things. Here, take Flapjack out to the privy, for his bowels are clouding my better judgment. Flapjack stands, clearly upset. He bravely marches off, leaving an enormously proud, decisive stream of feces in his wake. Marjorie follows close behind the feces as best she can. The squirrel on a leash with medication portrait does an unholy dance. And that's act one. So, Kaylin, do you want to start while Brent sure. is finishing writing? Sure. And mine won't be quite as detailed as what you've written. Um, so my setting is limbo. It's a throne room. Uh, there's fire everywhere, but the fire is either literal or metaphorical, depending on your point of view. Uh, Wanda Maximoff enters uh, through her hex powers because her hex powers are um, always uh, convenient to whatever she wants to do and whatever the writer and the artist want. So uh, this time her hex gets her there. She comes into the into the throne on, on, on Limbo and she sees magic as Dark Child in her full demonic form. Um, and while, uh, while she comes into the throne room, uh, magic is sharpening the soul sword, uh, using her tongue, which is a really creepy image. Um, mm -hmm. and Wanda tells her, Hey, I'm the ruler of limbo. Now you get out of here. Uh, magic says, uh, no. And then they fight for a little bit. And then they then they decide that they're going to share the throne and be co-leaders because, uh, women do it best. So they are now the co-leaders uh, or co-rulers of Limbo. That's my scene. 
Wow. And so see. You, so you didn't do it right. Okay. The the tales that we weave um, are in-depth and beautiful. Um, so static <laughs> grocery store recently converted Wegmans, still having the Safeway name on top of the building. Uh, Richard Simmons just got off of a bus and he wonders, I guess I need something. He walks into a roller skating woman, or as he refers to her as the shop maiden. He says, where is the hair shampoo? She says, next to the DJ booth. He says, how dare you? You know I hate bright lights that remind me of my dad. She says, oopsie, just take mine, though. It's a one in six cleaning body fluid shampoo slash all over body excrement see okay <laughs> did we do that right what was that? i don't know what was yours <laughs> what was it what the body excrement one through six what no i don't know what the shop maiden has i didn't write this <laughs> <laughs> all right i've got mine <laughs> please okay we're in a shabby rundown apartment the paint is cracked a train runs by the window Grayness embodies the atmosphere. Superman enters, exhausted. Batman, his lover, is cooking a can of expired beans. Superman, what are we having? Batman, beans, again. Bat Superman, simultaneously, with Batman, again. I know, I have x-ray vision. Batman, and that's the most you use your powers for. Superman looks down, then toward the ceiling. Superman, enough. Then he uses his laser vision to explode Batman's chest. Oh my what, god! What a what a dark look into your household. <laughs> is, is is the name of the play Beans and Toast? <laughs> yes, I love Beans on Toast. It's my favorite. Well, I'm glad Clark, that was done. Clark. Clark, tell us, Clark, tell us how this evaluates our sex lives. <laughs> <laughs> Shampoo is this involves with tongue knives and women yeah. women doing it best. Kaylin, your sex life is just women doing it best. <laughs> Clearly. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Good job, Kaylin. Ladies, get it done. I got a 69 out okay. of 100, right? Hey, Clark, what was this activity called and why did we do it? <laughs> it doesn't matter and because. <laughs> yeah, so shut your fucking mouth. Ryan. <laughs> we just had a sad play moment all right uh so uh, we also had uh, x factor number eight in the eternals number three uh we're going to review those next week uh that's just the end of our episode i don't think we can go i mean with plays like that yeah yeah so, uh, rushed and timely uh so uh find us on homo superior uh find us homo superior on to, why is this written so poorly? Why did I write it this way? You can find us on Twitter at Homo Superior X and on Instagram at Homo Superior Podcast. Say nice things about us because we really love it. Uh, we've been Homo Superior, the Arthur Millers of S S Stanley. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>